All right, given the topic behind me, I think we'll pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just uh, I thank you that you are a good God who gives good things to your people. Your desires for us are good. Lord, uh, I thank you that we have an environment here at Forest Lake Baptist Church that proclaims truth about your word, about your views on things. Um, there's a sense in which we're often um, out-discipled by the world around us, uh, particularly on topics like sex and relationships. Uh, we hear so much from the world, and it can feel a bit like we hear so little from the church. And uh, so, God, with such a big topic um, and a 25-minute sermon, I pray that you will bring out the things that you want to have said tonight that would be for our, our benefit and understanding of what you think about this topic. Lord, we know that uh, you have created all things for good, so I pray that we would grasp a hold of that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, just a special uh, welcome if you're, if you're new or joining us for uh, one of the first times as well. Uh, here at Forest Lake Baptist Church, we love the Word of God, and uh, we desire to preach from the Word of God because we are more interested in what God has to say about stuff than what um, just man has or what the current trends are in our society as well, saying on certain topics. So that's why we're doing an issues series. Last week, Mark talked about being overwhelmed and being stressed, and so we turned to the Word of God uh, for that topic, for that issue, to say, well, what does God say about when we feel overwhelmed? And uh, sex and relationships is a massive one because it's such a big part of our lives. But as I was kind of praying about there, I feel like sometimes we don't hear much on it, and, uh, but we hear so much about it from the world around us. The TV is constantly portraying to us sex and relationships and what they should look like. Music is constantly portraying it to us um, everywhere we go. But we in church, God has a lot to say about this topic. And so what we want to do is um, look to his word. A great analogy that I recently picked up in regards to the Bible and why we love it is because um, it was described to me as almost like a, a lens in which we get to see things for what they are. So it's almost like taking a pair of glasses that once I put them on, I can now see things for what they are. I can now see things truthfully in the same way um, as I look into the Word of God, it's almost like a mirror in which I then see myself. And that's both scary, but also the Bible is full of grace and hope, so therefore I know that change is possible as well. So I don't want people to be having a sense of despair tonight or this is going to be bad news for me, but a topic like this should actually be, this is wonderful, God has wonderful things in store for us. So there's going to be some parts, I guess, where we may be confronted as we think on these topics and, our, and how that kind of matches up with our lives. But let it be known that God is gracious to change us and gracious to um, do a new work in us as well. All right, so um, I guess I wanted to start off from, from the very beginning of, uh, let's go straight to Genesis. I'm going to use a range of scriptures to help us kind of um, navigate through this topic tonight. And uh, the first thing that I want to bring up is that, well, sex and relationships are a God thing, okay? So that's the first thing, is that this is actually, um, sex and relationships are made by God, designed by God, designed by God for good. So if we have a look in Genesis 1.28, and the very first chapter of the Bible, it says, God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. All right, so what we're talking about here is, is procreation, not the most romantic of words, uh, must be said. Um, but what we're talking about is 
that babies will be born as a result of sex. And that is a wonderful and God-glorifying thing. God says, go and have sex, um, multiply, fill the earth, and this is good. So when we talk about sex, it shouldn't be that, oh, a bit shameful or, or anything like that. But this is actually something that is wonderful to be celebrated in God. Because God created it, and God is good. Um, so moving on from, I guess, just the, the procreation sort of thing, um, I don't know if you've ever read a book in the Bible called The Song of Songs. There'll be a whole bunch of people here that would have read it, and others who have never read it. Now this one, there is no children mentioned whatsoever. There is no children mentioned in The Song of Songs, but it is all about relationships, it is all about sex. And it is um, basically a man and a woman um, describing their love for one another, quite descriptive, and uh, sharing their desires for one another as well. Uh, It's basically love poetry, and it describes the love of a man and a woman. And this, this aspect of it is about pleasure, that sex is for good pleasure, given by a good God for us. So we don't need to be kind of sneaky in our conversations or, or feeling uh, shameful about it. It's good. God is good. Um, he does a few things with it. He's got the, um, the multiplying the earth, babies being born who give glory to God, um, but it's also given for our pleasure as well and our enjoyment. Um, God's good design is for man and woman to be united in marriage. So if we look a little bit further, Genesis 2, 24, it says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife. They become one flesh. So marriage is uh, God instituted. It's his idea to make two people one. All right. So, uh, and this is the, um, the way in which God says sex is given uh, within the boundaries of marriage uh, for good things for his people. So if we're saying that all this stuff God is the author, he's the inventor of sex, relationships, marriage, um, and it's so good, what is the issue? Because why is it in an issue series? Well, to, do, to kind of get there with this, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do something. If you've got a phone and you've got data and you've got Google or something to that degree, I'm going to get you to actually search up something right now. I'm going to get you to type in scriptures on sex. Make sure you get the wording right. Scriptures about sex, okay? First one that comes up for me is Bible study tools, and it says 25 top Bible verses about sex. What does the Bible say? All right, so I'm not sure if you get that one as well, but I might open that one up. Okay, just a quick show of hands. Has everyone got something like that? Maybe, yep. Okay, awesome. All right, so um, first one I've got here is 2 Corinthians 12, 21. It says, I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you and I'll be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin and debauchery which they have indulged. Ephesians 5, 3, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. Um, Ephesians 5, 33, however, each one must love his wife as he loves himself, uh, and the wife must respect her husband. In Galatians 5.19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immoral, immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Uh, then we go back to the one that we've just used, Genesis 2.24, 
Um, as I continue to scroll down, we get kind of get the picture there. Most of those scriptures, when we just try and uh, engage with, hey, what does the Bible say about sex? Seems to come up with sexual immorality, sexual immorality. The occasional one that's a little bit different, sexual immorality. So for us as the church, if that's our kind of approach to finding out what the Bible says, we can land in a little bit of an uncomfortable place because all we really get is hearing about sexual immorality. Now, what we need to, to recognize with that is that there is a way that sex is used, there is a way that relationships happen, which is not honoring of God. There is a way that things happen, um, a way that people have an outlook about it, that is, that is sinful in God's eyes and is displeasing to him. Now, this is not just to be a rule, but because God knows that um, outside of how he has planned it, is, it's, it's actually going to be harmful to us. There's going to be um, there's going to be damage that comes to people's lives as a result of going, you know what, God, I think I've got this sex stuff on my own. Like, you've been good with the other stuff, like salvation and all that. That's, you're good at that stuff. But the sex stuff, you know, I, I got that. It's all right. That's not what God, God wants to invite us all of our life, all the things that we do, all the things that are a part of our life to see what he says about it. He has a better plan for it than what we do. Um, I was thinking on the, the topic and I... I don't want to explore all the different sins tonight in regards to outlining for you a whole bunch of ways in which sex is immoral. I think we've probably got a good grasp of that. Um, we see it enough in the world and in the way that it's portrayed to us. Um, we see it in the way pornography probably does a massive amount of educating people on sex. That is terrible. Um, you think about the I guess the, the danger that exists for all people that they've got a phone and they can just access um, pornography so easily. Um, we know that um, there is damaging things that happen as a result of sex being outside of a marriage, that God has it in this particular place because he knows that there is a covenant that happens where the two become one flesh uh, when they are married and that is the place that God has, has prepared for, um, for sex. Um, and that's the thing too, is that when the Bible is speaking about the two becoming one, um, he's also talking about when sex takes place, two are becoming one. So it's a marriage-like act. It's a covenant that God has put in place for our protection. Um, he wants it to be a good thing in our lives. So there are a lot of unhealthy stuff that we get. Um, and if I'm going to be honest with you, I've probably spent the majority of my life with bad teaching around sex and relationships. By nature of not growing up in a church and hearing about it, by being educated on it by a whole range of stuff, whether it be from um, music videos to, uh, I don't watch Home and Away, but I'm sure others do. I'm sure that teaches some bad stuff on, on sex and relationships. Um, I've definitely come into this thing with bad teaching. I've got a certain mindset around sex and relationships that is unhealthy and unhelpful. And for a long time, I have blocked God out of this picture doing exactly what I said before, going, no, it's all right. I think I've got this one. It's a little bit too personal. Um, I'll take it from here, God. But God invites us for all of, our, all of the things that we are going through, as I said before. Um, so where does this distortion come from? We've got these false ideas. We've been taught all this stuff. Where does it come from? Um, our society places so much emphasis on sex and relationships 
to the point that it's almost as if that's where people look to find their identity. How would they describe themselves? They describe themselves by their sexuality. They find their identity in their relationship. They think, my life will be complete if I get that relationship. That girl that I really love, that guy that I'm, that I'm into, whoever it is, if I, if I get into that relationship, I'll get a sense of identity and I'll, that's what life's supposed to be about. But let's just take a look at a scripture that's going to help put this into place for us. And it's Romans 1.25. And I believe it speaks directly to the issue. If you're on camp, we had a look at this scripture as well. It says, They exchanged the truth, of, truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the creator. This applies to so many things in our lives. It applies to everything from loving sport, more than what we love God, loving just sitting down watching TV more than we love God, whatever it might be, we love creating things rather than the creator. We love the gifts rather than the giver of the gifts. And so in the same way, our society, our world has said, we love sex, we love relationships, let's make that our God. It's like number one. But the truth is, sex and relationships makes a lousy number one. It makes a lousy God. So if we take these gifts that have been given to us by God and we say, right, instead of the God who gave sex and relationships, I'm going to just idolize them. Basically, they've become our God. They've become the thing that we're serving, that we're worshiping, we're putting all of our hope in. And you know what it does as well? I think that it it brings demands to sex and relationships as well. Because we're starting to think that we're going to get our needs met through sex and relationships. So we start seeking out, uh, okay, in, in sex, we're looking to be pleasured. We're looking for the other person to fulfill all of our needs in sex. Or if it's in the relationship, we're putting demands and expectations upon that person that they will fulfill these certain needs and things that we have. Those things are never going to fulfill us. And that person is only going to feel awful about sex and relationships because we keep putting this, um, these unhealthy expectations upon one another, whether it's in sex or in just in the relationship in general. Only God can do that. Here's a truth for you, for me as well, for all of us. The person that we, are, that we love, whether we are married or boyfriend, girlfriend, or the person that we're thinking about in the future, so we're all in the same situation, The person that you are desiring to be with or are with is a broken sinner. All right? We need that truth. The person that you are married to, thinking of, they are a person who desperately, desperately needs Jesus. So when we come to them going, you have to fulfill all of my needs, we're basically saying to them, can you be Jesus for me? (laughs) And you will crush them. We had a great quote about it this week. When you put that expectation, you crush the person. When sex and relationships becomes a secondary importance, we start to get some freedom in this. Because God is right where he should be, number one in our life, and the other things that we have become the wonderful things that they should be. They're in second place right where they should be. Not number one, trying to get fulfillment from all of those things. My wife loves Jesus. 
And I'm so grateful because my wife is amazing to me as a result of loving Jesus. I have a better wife because she loves Jesus more than she loves me. That's a reality. That is a good thing. We need Jesus to be number one. The people that we are engaging with, not just in the relationship of a man and a woman, but if I love Jesus more than I love you guys, you guys will have, have a better pastor. All right? He should be my number one. I shouldn't be trying to put expectations on you guys to fulfill, you know, me being in this role and I've got to be excellent for everybody and all this sort of stuff. No, Jesus needs to be my number one and you'll have a better pastor. In the relationship sense, Jesus is my number one. Hopefully Bridget has a better husband. My, my kids, not hopefully, she will have a better husband. My kids will have a better father if Jesus is number one. I'll be a better dad to my children if I love Jesus because he fulfills me. He gives me the stuff that I need. So the, there's the world. They've exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they've worshipped and served what has been created instead of the creator. We believe the lies constantly bombarded by what sex should look like, what relationship should look like. So, what hope do we have if we've got this kind of distortion around sex, around relationships? What hope is there for us? Because God initially created for good, and now I can see how because of our rebellion against God and because of our sin, sex has become this distorted thing. Our hope is in this. If we have a look at Revelation 21, actually, I'm going to read, we've got this scripture here. Look, I'm making all things new. I'm going to just take it back a little bit. Um, if you're a little unfamiliar with the Bible, the book of Revelation is a book of hope for the Christian. Some people have um, thought of the book of Revelation before as like a doomsday book. Like, hey, this is the book about when the day, when, the day when the world ends. And uh, there's a truth in that, that if you're not right with Jesus, there's some, there's some concerns, some real serious concerns. But if you put your trust in Jesus, the book of Revelation speaks hope to the Christian about what lies ahead for us in the future. I'm going to read from 21. This is uh, the Apostle John receiving the vision of what is to, what is to become. Uh, it's called the new creation. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne, Jesus says, look, I am making everything new. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. And God's plan for you is to continue making you new. For me as a Christian, I have, I'm made new. So I'm a new person. I've been given a new heart. I used to love the things of the dark. I used to love the things um, that were dishonoring to God. But as a Christian now, I'm on a new journey where I'm I have a new heart and new desires. It doesn't happen overnight, but God does a work in us throughout our life to, and he is faithful to, to fulfill it. He brings it to a conclusion in our glorification with, with God that when we pass from here, 
all this sin, all this hurt, all this distortion in sex and, and relationships will be gone, will be removed from our lives. He says, I am making all things new, and that includes sex. That includes our relationships. So if you're a Christian and you were like me, you're on this journey where you've gone, man, I've been told so much about sex and relationships from the world. There's something new for you tonight. There's an opportunity to see that God is going to do something new in your life if you'll bring this to him and say, hey, let's do this one as well. Maybe you've trusted him with some other aspects of your life, like, as I said, you were, we were good with the salvation bit, like, hey, I don't want to, you know, I want to be in heaven, right? Um, I don't want uh, hell and judgment, so I'm, I'm, I'm down with the, the salvation bit. But then we tend to hold on to a whole bunch of stuff. But then over time, God says, now we're going to deal with this one. We're going to bring this here, and we're going to shine some light into these areas of our lives. So God wants to make it new. He wants to give me a new mind in the way that I think about sex and relationships. And it's going to be better. It's going to be better than what I thought. God forgives sinners who turn to him. So I've got sin in that area from the past. But when I bring it to God, he is just and he forgives us as we come to him in repentance. So don't despair tonight. When we find dark truths about ourselves, what I want you to do is to remember the gospel that saved you. When you suddenly have that, you know, time where you're reading an article or you're sitting in a sermon and you go, oh man, that's confronting. Like, I've got something that I've been holding on to, something in here where I just haven't really been bringing that to light. I haven't been bringing that to God. Don't despair because the gospel is what has saved us and brought us into this new creation. We need to be preaching and speaking the gospel, which is the good news that Jesus gave up his life for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't look at you and go, when you get your sex and your relationships all sorted out, then I'll be your God. He saw us in our filth and in our mess, and he said, you are mine now. He is calling us to himself now. Do you know how good the God we serve is? He is a God who pursues you. He comes after you. Nobody who has salvation in this room has achieved salvation. You have salvation because the God of the universe came after you. Not because of anything good that you did. He came after you. He wants to give us good things, even in the, even the areas that we've kept aside, like, like sex and relationships. So Romans 12.2 says this to us. It says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. What I love about um, be transformed is that this gospel message, this goodness that we have in, in God is that we are going to get transformed. We are being transformed in our bad thinking as we come into these environments. But the word be is so important to us in this context because it doesn't actually say in there, transform yourself by the renewing of your mind. That's important. So it doesn't, um, my sermon to you tonight isn't, hey guys, go out there and transform yourself in the area of sex and, and relationships and think better about it. No, it's saying, go out with the Holy Spirit, with the God of the universe, and be positioned in a place in life that you are going to be transformed. Because um, this is a work that God is doing in you, all right? So 
when you come into an environment like this, you are being transformed. You have positioned yourself in an environment to hear the truths of Scripture that change us. We don't need pep talks. We don't need Oprah Winfrey shows or Dr. Phil's who are among those like we were who were um, exchanging the truth of God for lies. We need Scripture to transform us. We need the words of God. So we need to be in environments like this regularly. Um, That's why it's so important to get to church. It's not about ticking off an attendance thing. It's about being in an environment where it's easier to be like Jesus. We talked a bit about this on camp. Um, When you go out in the world and you're bombarded by all the um, immoral type of sex stuff, uh, it's hard to be like Jesus in those environments. It's hard to think like Jesus. We're wired in a way that when we see sexual images, we are attracted to it because we are designed to enjoy sex, as we said in the beginning. So we step into these environments all the time, and it's really difficult to be like Jesus. The more we do this stuff, the more we do home groups, the more we get online and look at websites like Desiring God or um, Gospel Coalition or, or stuff where the Word of God is brought to us, the more we do that sort of stuff, it's easier to be like Jesus. So be transformed. Position yourself so that you can be transformed. And, and what I will say about the process of what, we, what we're ultimately talking about here is a process called sanctification. Um, I talk about it a bit. It's, um, it's a scriptural word. But, but sanctification basically means becoming more like Jesus throughout this journey. All right? That's, that's the bottom line of, of sanctification. God will sanctify you. And so there's two aspects of that for us. One is that God is doing it. So we need to understand that we hold on to the promise that God will fulfill this in us. Though we wrestle with temptation, we get up and fight it again tomorrow because we know that God is, God is doing it, all right? And that our part is that we participate in it. We participate in what God is doing. So God's making us new. So we go, hey, this is awesome. I'm going to get on board with being new as well. I'm going to do some stuff as well to... Um, to contribute to being able to avoid these temptations and avoid this stuff that's going on there. We have a wonderful God who wants to redeem us, teach us new things. All right, I'm just going to, so much more, but I'm just going to, I'm going to finish on this, on this last bit. Um, as I said, such a big topic. What I will um, promise you is that we'll talk about this more because it's so important, right? So, um, we will continue to make sure that we talk about these real, real issues in the light of what God says about them. Okay, so here's where I want to finish tonight. Um, something that I think will, will help put some things into perspective for us. And um, can we, we're going to use First Corinthians 10.31 as a scripture to guide us as we go out. And I'll finish on this concept of the glory of God. Um, sex and relationships are supposed to be God-glorifying. Now, that might just kind of rock you a little bit there because we keep sex to ourselves or we keep the sort of the idea of that to ourselves. Sex and relationships are supposed to bring glory to God. So everything that God creates that is good is for his glory and our enjoyment. We are in the best place in life when our lives give glory to God. That is when we are actually at our most happiest. When we use whatever God has given us for our own self, like, hey, I've got some 
talent in singing or whatever it might be. I'm going to try and use that for myself. It's just an endless road of, I didn't quite get there. I'm not happy yet. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep going. But when we use the good gifts that God has given us for his glory to say, look at this that I can do. God is so good. Like when I eat a, a wonderful meal of something that, you know, I'm looking forward to going out to my favorite restaurant or whatever it is, I, I take a, a mouthful of that food and it shouldn't just convey to me that, gee, this food's good or this restaurant's top notch. It should convey to me, God is good. How amazing is this food that God loves us and gives us all of this good stuff? So there's a concept that you may not have, have come across before, but I want you to think about this tonight, that sex should glorify God. It is a good gift from God that should glorify. It should convey something to you about God, about intimacy, closeness. It should convey to you, God is really, really good. So in 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Corinth, and they're struggling with a whole bunch of stuff of what should I do, what should I eat, what should I not eat, what should I drink? And he tells them to go ahead and eat the stuff, um, bigger, bigger stuff for another night to go into. But at the end of this, when he's saying what, what it's okay for them to do, he says this, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. So if you work, work for the glory of God. That changes our perspective on work because we suddenly realize, hang on, God is my boss, my ultimate boss. And as I go into this place, I can glorify him. Um, as we play sport, we're not just necessarily playing to win, like as competitive as we might be, but we might realize as well that, man, I can play sport because God is good and I can glorify him in playing sport. In my relationship, my, my hope is that people would look upon my relationship with my wife and at some point be able to go, God is good because I can see what he's done in their life. Not that we've got it all together and that we're perfect, but they might see that um, God is a God worth following, that we glorify him with all areas of our life, in the way that we want to try and raise our kids, in the way that we want to um, treat each other and live for each other. Um, we want to glorify God with all that we do. And so with our sex and with the relationships topic, may it be God glorifying. Because again, this is how it'll actually be most fulfilling most pleasurable, most satisfying, because it's being used for what it was created for, God's glory and our joy. We enjoy sex in a marriage not because we are trying to get our desires met, but because God is a good God who gives good things to his people. All right, so for a little bit of take-home... Um, could be, it could be said that for some of us around this topic, it feels like we're in a bit of a dark place. And if I think about my journey, um, I would definitely say that, like, wow, I didn't realize at the time, but, man, I've been in a dark place with this stuff. Um, educated from a different, a different source. Educated by the world on what this should look like. I want you to encourage you that in the gospel, there is a light that we can follow. There is a light in that darkness that says, hey, bring this... Bring this subject to me. Bring this issue to me. See what I will do. Don't despair, but know the God who calls you. And there's some things that he might want to do in your life. And in that, 
I just want to encourage you that there are people in this church who will share that journey with you. They will speak to you about these things. Um, we've kept sex um, and this topic very secretive. And so it's natural that people then um, don't really, they kind of keep those issues to themselves. Well, nobody else is probably having issues in this area. It's just probably going to be me. I'll keep it to myself. No, no, it affects everybody. Uh, we all need grace and, and mercy in this in this area. So uh, if there's a way that, you know, somebody, a leader in this church or somebody that you've come with, open this conversation up. How do we bring this for God's glory and for our good? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are such a good God and you are in the business of transforming us. Your desire, your will for us is to make us like Jesus and that is freeing. We, get, we find forgiveness in Jesus but we find freedom and new life in Jesus. And we have the opportunity tonight to even think about these subjects in a whole new way that they would bring glory to you that they would convey to us that you are good and we can tell other people about how good you are, Lord. Lord, I thank you for uh, your scriptures that speak truth to us in a world that constantly uh, forces lies down our throat, a world that constantly bombards us with follow your feelings and do what's right in your own eyes. Lord, I thank you that you know what is right. You are the God who is the creator of the entire universe. And so we can look to you for what is right. Lord, for anybody who is feeling in a dark place with this tonight, I pray that you would, um, even now, Lord, just help them visualize a light that they might be able to follow, which is Jesus. A light which is the gospel of good news for sinners, that we can come to you, we can come and just bring our burdens to your feet, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would continue this work in us. I thank you, thank you, Lord, that you are faithful to finishing what you have started in us. None of us here tonight have have achieved this by our own good works, Lord. Uh, you are a God who pursues us and desires good things for us. We thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.